0: I had basically learned not to talk about it, to, to to hide how I was feeling. I wasn't being seen and I wasn't being heard. You know, the world started feeling really, really, really dangerous for me.
1: Welcome to Stories That Connect Us, a podcast for storytellers and story lovers alike. I'm your host, Nikki. Stories That Connect Us seeks to unite people through the power of storytelling providing a platform for everyday people to share their stories. Why? Because everyone has a story, our stories matter. Sit back, grab a drink and get ready to listen, learn and be inspired. So glad you could join me for another story. Today we'll be joined by Carla Cravaro. Carla is a trauma-informed and certified sex, love and relationship coach. She works internationally with men and women. During this episode, we'll discuss trauma, managing anxiety and the importance of not avoiding your emotions, but instead delving deep to understand what's going on at the core. I apologise up front as there may be parts of this story where the sound quality is not optimal. With that being said, I'm excited for you to meet Carla. Hey Carla, so wonderful to have you on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Nikki, for inviting me and letting me speak about my story.
1: Your story starts with your personal journey with anxiety and intrusive thoughts that I believe really sparked around the time that you received some information when you were pregnant with your second child. So I'd love to dive in and for you to tell me your story from where it begins. So over to you.
0: Thank you. So, um, yeah, well, I, while I was pregnant with my second son, um, I received a phone call from, um, the hospital to say that they believed that he might have Down syndrome and, you know, I was not expecting at all that call. So, you know, I didn't think at all of any questions to ask or what support to get. Like I literally, it was, it was a huge massive shock and um, you know I went downstairs after that phone call and my parents were staying over with us at the time because we lived in a different part of the country and yeah you know people my my parents and and my husband were saying you know don't worry we don't know yet you know you could do more tests Um, and yeah so there was this place that I felt that I couldn't really express how I was I'm feeling, to be honest with you, I don't think I was sure what I was feeling at that moment. The surprise information was just so much to actually um, process. And then over the coming sort of um, days and weeks, you know, as I tried to look at the rational aspect of it and started getting more information about various different tests that I could do. Um, you know everything became a lot more about the practical aspects of what I was experiencing so the practical being you know what sort of tests where I can get them done you know if I do have a child with Down syndrome what are the options to me so it was all very very practical and at no point was I really exploring um, how I felt about it and to a certain extent that was being shut off not just by myself but also you know by other people one of the reasons that I shut it off for myself was uh, you know I had a huge amount of of guilt um, exploring the possibility that you know if I do have um, a pregnancy with a baby that has Down syndrome if I abort it for the parents that do have children with a Down syndrome for for them to hear me talk about it Um, to potentially be you know told that I'm selfish or you know it's not as difficult as you think so I just felt like I couldn't really speak about what was going on you know internally as I was starting to work through things no one really talked about how I felt I didn't talk about how I felt Um, and you know having all of that um, emotion bottled up and completely trapping it just you know in a way made the situation internally for myself even worse and you know with regards to the information that I received at that time that feeling of shock what I've ke- later come to realize is that actually you know that shock that I went into was a traumatic response to the news that I'd received because I think a lot of times people think for you to experience trauma it needs to be you know something really really severe like war or sexual assault or Um, you know, a kidnapping, something that's, you know, really quite profound. Um, And, you know, in in the journey that I had, um, you know, a a few years later, looking at that, my understanding became that actually trauma is how the body responds to a situation. And I'll, you know, speak a little bit more about that later. But, um, you know, talking about that journey itself, you know, the anxiety gradually building, Um, you know because of the news from about about my um, unborn baby was around you know Down syndrome and health I started getting really worried about my health generally and other people's health you know family um, and friends you know so it would be things like checking the moles are they cancer you know any any symptoms could it potentially be cancer and really um, becoming quite I'm concerned, i um, overly concerned with health. I started becoming worried about everything. So, you know, the world started feeling really, really, really dangerous for me.
1: Really unsafe. Yeah. Because one of the things that I was thinking about as you, when you shared with me how you heard the news, did I hear correct that they gave you a phone call to give you that information?
0: Yeah, and, and, and literally they, I, they gave me two options of what I could do next. This is a thing. I can't even remember that information because I was in such shock that I couldn't absorb it. And then that was it. I was sort of left to, you know, here's the phone number, give us a call. Let us know what you decide to do, you know. And, and yeah, so I literally had no support whatsoever. I had to go away myself to get more information. And I ended up finding out that, you know, there was a um, um, an organization that had created this specific test that, you know, the NHS were using. Um, and I went to them in London to, to go and get further tests. Um, and the exact same test that they had done, the, the, the difference in the score was huge. So like the, the risk that my second child might have Down syndrome was like one in 30 something. I can't remember the exact number or one in 40 something, something along those lines. And then when the uh, medical clinic in London did exactly the same test, it was like one in 2000. Then obviously I'm thinking, right? Well, I've got two results that are drastically different. You know, I need I need a, a third option. And so they did a blood test, which got, you know, the blood gets sent off to, to the state, and that you know was like over one in ten thousand. They can't measure it any higher than that. Ten thousands the maximum. I couldn't believe the possibility of being healthy or the or the baby being healthy. There was always that underlying fear. Um, that something might go wrong so also with regards to the to the birth I was you know at that point really struggling in my relationship with um, medical practitioners and even the midwife when she saw the results from the clinic in London she couldn't believe herself how drastically different you know the, the, the tests were Um, and again there was no no you know no invitation of wanting to explore maybe even get counselling or further support around it even though the tests were negative there was no sort of acknowledgement that just having that access to that information itself could be um, yeah could be potentially you know harmful to how how a person receives it.
1: That's such a good point it's regardless of the outcome you've had to be exposed to that information and the possibility or the possibilities should I say that that then led to in your mind of all the different options and the consequences and the concern and the what would other people think or how can I talk to other people about it so so many offshoots from that one phone call um, that was made to you and then nobody checked in to see how you were actually feeling what's emotional support did you need because I'm I'm really getting the sense that it's not just about the physical support and the physical health and you know is are all the monthly or weekly tests are they um showing any signs of concern but how are you emotionally I think that's what you're saying was was missing from your experience
0: yeah that and that was massive for someone not to check in with how someone is feeling when anything happens you know like even when you know my children fall over you know how do you feel about it just you know bringing people back to this sense of self and and exploring their emotions around something you know having that being witnessed allows you to move on from it but when you don't explore it at all and you just sort of ignore it and move on that's when it can sort of snowball and escalate and you know that's exactly what happened for me you know I had basically learned not to talk about it to 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 hide how I was feeling or not even explore how I was feeling and so you know when you have this um modus operandi of sort of like squashing everything down completely ignoring it you imagine like um a balloon for example you gradually filling it up with all of this stress you know and you get to a sort of like um almost like a tension point where you know things could go either way and you know there was sort of like a point in my life where it was just you know things could have gone in either direction and
1: how did you then process and begin to uh, you know deal with those uh difficult emotions the the point that I had got to with the state of
0: anxiety that I was in because you know having learned not to process the emotions everything was building up you know like like that balloon that I was talking about Um, and I was really you know learning to. Um, sort of hide and, and, and trap everything um and you know the the world just seemed such a really really frightening place for me
1: what what was the the outcome of of your pregnancy and
0: yeah so um he was born without down syndrome really really healthy baby it was you know a vaginal birth um, at home so you know the birth itself what you know like ticked all the boxes basically it was um you know, what a lot of people sort of aspire to have with regards to, to birth. Once my youngest was born, um, I was already in a state of, you know, relative stress. And, and that just continued and gradually got worse and worse. You know, I wasn't speaking to anybody, I wasn't getting any um, support. Um, the doula that I had was supposed to come and see me within like six weeks, but you know, kept cancelling, so I felt abandoned there because I didn't get the support that um you know that I'd that I'd wanted from her. So um, and you know that possibly would have been an opportunity to maybe talk to somebody because you know part of the the concern is burdening other people as well with with what might be going on because everybody wants to fix things um and try to make them you know in some way better and you know. Sometimes things don't need to be fixed. People just need to be able to talk about them. And rather than people rationalising and saying to me what the chances are of a plane and you know, yeah, my rational brain is very well aware that that is, is very rare and it's very unlikely to happen. But that doesn't stop me from, in my nervous system, feeling the fear that that potentially could happen, you know. Just to, just to give um, people an example, so, you know, the reason I decided to go and, on a retreat to Morocco is because the lady that was organizing it, I knew her from college. Had I not known her, I definitely would not have, you know, tried to book it or anything. Um, and, you know, in the process of, of, of booking, you know, once I paid my deposit, I was starting to really, really worry about everything. Um, and you really struggle to be able to make decisions because, you know, if you get it wrong, it feels like something really bad might happen you know, when I was exploring, going to Morocco, I was asking questions about everything. So, you know, I wanted, I, I was worried about, you know, the flight and potentially the plane crashing. I was worried about what if I lose my passport? What if I lose my, um, you know, bank cards or credit cards? You know, what what's the seatbelt policy like in in Morocco? Do you have to wear seatbelts? Well, the taxis have seatbelts. The day before going to Morocco, sit on the stairs and saying to my husband you know I can't cope anymore with 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 what's happening you know I'm aware with what everyone tells me that not to worry about the things that I can't control and you know everyone's giving really great advice but I just can't seem to, to to change it I can't seem to like switch my brain you know I need to like have a different brain or change something um you know and he was like well why don't you talk to somebody and I was like well you know because a lot of what I was experiencing was also, you know, sort of um, wounding from my childhood, you know, a lot of like inner child work. Um, And I was like, you know, well, I've explored, you know, why the way, why I am the way that I am in the sense of, you know, I didn't have boundaries. I didn't, you know, um, I was a people pleaser. Um, So, you know, I understood that the insecurities that I had and the way of behaving that I had came from, you know, Um, my childhood and you know I had a quite a normal childhood but because most of us grow up you know with um, in situations where our parents aren't always able to be present and attuned to our needs you know as children you internalize that and then grow up with these sort of coping mechanisms that you then you know have these behaviors that aren't always the healthiest ways of, of showing up and you know I also have those most people I know do as well
1: that's really interesting. Can you say a little bit more about that? Do you think that the um, the way in which certain cultural conditioning as a child, how do you think that that impacted your processing of your pregnancy with your second son?
0: Yeah, so, you know, I, I think quite often in in society we are told that we just need to get on with things. And, you know, like if you if you see on social media when people talk about a problem, you'll always got loads of people underneath saying, you know, well, we had it difficult in our day and, you know, well, I know somebody else who's worse off and everybody's always looking at, well, you know, I should be, I should be happy with my lot because somebody else is worse off or, you know, well, I had to struggle. And it's like this idea of this race to the bottom and it really prevents people from, you know, fully experiencing and talking about what is happening for them. And yeah, there are always going to be other people in the world that are struggling and have, you know, worse problems and 100%. And, you know, we should definitely think about those people and, and, you know, acknowledge the pain that they're going through. But your pain, even if in comparison, it might not seem as important, is as important to acknowledge, you know, because you're still experiencing it, you're still you know, um, it's still part of what you're going through. And I think, you know, so a lot of those sort of ideas that um, that I grew up with, you just keep going, keep working hard, just keep doing, and it'll just work out. And, you know, you just need to um, think more positively. And, you know, nobody actually wants to be present with somebody else while they're experiencing difficult emotions. And, you know, and I think this is why as adults, when we get older, you know and we've carried for so long these emotions that we've not been allowed to express we really really struggle with them which is why you've got loads of people with anxiety and depression you know because as children you get told um you know when you fall over quickly get up you know don't cry don't cry all of that is absolutely true More than anything is you know oh did that surprise you how's your knee you know how are you feeling right now what would you like? What do you need? Do you need a hug? Or would you like to go straight off and
1: play? What do you need? Those those um, four words um, can really pack a powerful uh, feeling for the person hearing them.
0: Um, And so yeah, so then as an adult, people don't know how to answer that, you know, because they've, they've never actually thought, you know, what do I need? You know, what how how can I best support myself in this situation? People, just um, aren't aware, you know, that maybe they just need some space or they need to maybe have a bit of a cry, that they maybe need to talk about it. You know, people just aren't really tuned in. And what tends to happen is they default to whatever it was that they learned as children
1: to do. So going back to two and a half years post your second son, you realise that you... Um, needed some space is that the reason why you were going to Morocco on this um, wellness retreat
0: for me it was going somewhere in January that was hot (laughs) and I'm from the UK Um, and I because at the time I was home educating my children and we were living in the south of England far from any family and my husband worked quite away quite often from like Sunday to Friday so I spent a lot of time by myself and you know um so so yeah so I went on this retreat and um I didn't really realize because you said wellness retreat and that's what it was but I didn't realize at the time that that's what it was um so um you know it was a series of women's circles and the very very first circle that brought us together the person leading the retreat said you know what's your intention for the weekend and all of the women sat there were coming out with really profound motives for you know, some parts of themselves that they wanted to heal and they wanted to explore this part of themselves. And I was like sat there as they going round, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what can I say? What can I say? And I was just like, I'll just tell them the truth. <laughs> and, you know, so Carla, what's your intention for this weekend? And I was like, well, to be honest with you, I just wanted to break from my family and from all the stress at home, you know, that's what it was for me. That's why I went initially But, um, yeah, when I was there, what I actually experienced was completely different. Um, You know, I was introduced to what boundaries were because I'd never actually heard of the term boundaries before. And, you know, it's a word that I use so much now and it's so much part of my vocabulary. And, you know, I use boundaries every day, numerous times within the day. How many other people are walking around not knowing that that word exists?
1: So can you define boundaries for anyone who perhaps isn't aware? So
0: um, a boundary is um, a way of communicating to another person about how you want to be treated or how you want to be spoken to. So, um, you know, I'll give an example of a boundary that I saw so he would um you know work in the office upstairs and he'd come down in the evening while I was making dinner for the children well for for us as a family you know I'd have the kids asking me questions and my husband would come down I've got all of this stuff going on you know stuff in the oven children asking me questions and my husband would come down and then start talking about his day and how this client this and how this colleague that and it was just massively overwhelming because I I felt obliged to listen to him right at that moment. So what I was doing is I was completely abandoning what my needs were to be able to meet the needs of everybody else. So what I did um, when I learned about boundaries, I said to my husband, you know, I'm very open to talking to you, but you need to ask me first, you know, before you start telling me about your day, if I'm actually in a place to listen, because I'm not always in a place to be able to listen right at that moment but we can definitely organize a time. And, you know, it took a few goes for him to remember, you know, and and for me to remind him as well to continue to place the boundary. You know, it was really difficult initially actually to place those boundaries because I felt like I was being selfish. And the way that I see it now, when I place boundaries with my children and say, okay, you know, I can't talk and have a conversation right now because I'm making dinner. We, We can talk about it later. They are learning themselves as well to be able to to ask for what they need and what they want. So they're being they're learning to, to be more self aware as well. Because you know I grew up with a family that didn't have boundaries. Um, you know you were expected to, in a way to drop everything to help out um, the other person, and if you didn't do that, then you were selfish. You know if you were if you wanted to look after your own needs, then you were considered selfish. So yeah, it was a massive. Um, shift for me I think boundaries was one of the biggest.
1: So going back to Morocco uh, you'd obviously didn't know exactly what to expect you learned a lot more such as boundaries anything else you want to share about that um, experience?
0: Just yeah just being honest that things aren't always really easy but you know not in a way that's um, dumping something on somebody else but just like just to let you know this is what I'm experiencing at the moment I'm finding things a bit difficult Um, so, you know, I'm not in a place right now to, to support you in that, or I'm not in a place right now where, you know, um, you know, I want to go and do that. And I think, you know, if we could all have a a little bit more of that honesty, it would just, um, I think it would feel really good for our nervous systems, you know, because we're not second guessing anybody. It feels really supportive to know that, you know, okay, they're having a difficult time. Um, I have difficult times too. And yeah, you know, it's just normal and it's part of life rather than, you know, let's just get on with it and deal with it, because that's what we've always learned to do, Um, you know, which is so much more damaging, especially as well, you know, when you think about that for men, um, they're they're conditioned even more so to really detach and avoid talking about their their problems and their emotions.
1: So what was the turning point then that made you think, right, okay, I've come off of this four day um, experience in Morocco, I've had um, a release of my emotions. What did you do when you got back? What was what was the the um, experience for you post Morocco?
0: Yeah, so it was like this huge realization that actually I am in control of 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 the way that I re- respond to things. That I can choose to say no with things like boundaries. That you know I can choose because I I, I met my inner child um during that weekend and she had shown me you know I had expected my inner child to be really really angry and upset because you know upset about the childhood that she'd had and you know when my parents hadn't always given me the love and attention that I felt I needed um I thought she was going to be angry but instead she took me off and showed me how to dance and have fun and play and I was like oh my god I've just spent the last so many years with children this anxious worried controlling state and you know coming back from morocco it was about self-care and i don't mean self-care as in painting your nails and and going for spa days but self-care with regards to things like boundaries with knowing which relationships were healthy for me and which ones weren't and letting um a lot of friends go actually people well i say friends you know people who were in my life that weren't really very healthy for me i let them go um and um yeah and learning to really tap into sort of the 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 fun element you know really looking at where I can I can have more enjoyment in my life um I also did a lot of work as well around exploring sort of the ego so the ego is the part that inside of us that has like these stories that um that we create about certain situations so you know I'll give you a really classic one and I think a lot of people, especially, you know, women in relationships will relate to it that, you know, my husband, and when he'd leave his jeans lying down on the floor and not put them in the washing basket, you know, I'd be so angry and upset because he doesn't consider me, he doesn't care about me, you know, he disrespects me. And these were the stories that would go in my head because those were the stories that I had learned to tell myself. And what happens is with these stories, you're always looking for a way or or for situations, which reconfirm that those stories are true. You know, when it was, it, you know, I was failing to miss all of the other things that he was doing to show that he cared and that he loved me. But you do, you get into this, like, you listen to this part of yourself, the ego, that tells you all of these different stories to keep you in a safe situation, in, in a repetitive, um, you know, behavior patterns, because that's what is in a way that feels normal and that feels safe because we feel a certain amount of safety with what we know.
1: So you went on a bit of a a self-development journey maybe if that's a a sort of a a summary phrase
0: just tell me a little
1: bit around what you did in that period or perhaps what you're still doing but if you could just let us know how that self-development journey began.
0: Yeah so um, so yeah the the whole self-care ego and I started reading about trauma as well and it was um, around that time that I had put two and two together with regards to the fact that, you know, what I had experienced with in the pregnancy um, with my second child, that that was actually a traumatic event. So um, and that that had, had been what had triggered like a cascade of, of issues. So, um, you know, reading various different books around trauma, I started um, learning to, you know, when I felt A particular um, emotion if I was worried about something just to 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 actually spend time with that worry rather than grabbing my phone and moving away from it Um, and I would um, you know go to my husband and I would say to him look you know I I need I've just read this on the news and I need to to talk to you about it can you um, can you listen I don't want you to try and fix anything or tell me your opinion (laughs) I just, I just need you to listen, you know? Um, And so I just like talk about everything, you know, all of my concerns and all my worries. And then, you know, maybe I'd have a cry, a bit of a hug and then I'd be off and I'd be fine. And I I didn't carry it round. And this was just like a huge, massive revelation. Like I could deal with the situation, have a good cry about it, you know, really get all of those feelings out and then move on. Because previously what I had been doing was I'd been holding it in, I might talk about it, and I would allow people to shut me down, you know, through fi- trying to fix things, um, and that was just meant that I'd move off from that situation, still feeling stressed because I hadn't fully worked through it. So yeah. to then have those skills of being able to allow myself that expression to work through it was just it—it it was massive, and it, it was a massive support in my anxiety. So being really, really present with um, allowing myself to to to, to feel, um, and that was. Um, a huge turning point in sort of supporting my nervous system, incorporating all of these different sort of tools meant that further down the line, um, you know, now I can say that I don't have anxiety before I used to have anxiety. Now I don't have it. And you know, if I ever start to get those sensations, you know of anxiety, I'm like, okay, what emotion am I trying to avoid here? There's something that's happened. There's an emotion that's there and I'm trying to avoid it. So I need to, re- you know, come back. What is it that, that, that's happening? Am I worried about something? Am I frightened about something? Am I, am I angry?
1: Who are you today? I know that we were talking about things and you were saying that now you're the sort of person who can stand up for yourself. You know your needs. You weren't that person pre-Morocco. No.
0: Yeah, so I would say that I now have learned to live with um, trust, have learned to um to, yeah, I would say a lot of it is empowerment. You know, before I used to expect other people and everybody else around me to understand what I need, to change themselves so that I would feel comfortable. Um, but you know, instead it's it's the internal work that I've done that then has rippled out and affected the people around me and how they respond to me. So, yeah, I would say it's a sense of empowerment that I've come into. Um, Empowerment of being with my emotions, empowerment of being able to stand up for myself, empowerment of, um, yeah, asking for what I need, and for what I want, empowerment of, um, and I think a really big one is that when you um, are are frightened of, of something, you know, making a change or doing something new, an empowered feeling of, you know, well, yeah, it's it's by doing the something new and breaking through that and that discomfort, being with it and just going for it anyway, because really, what's the worst thing that can happen? So yeah, so it's just allowing yourself to to be able to make those sorts of mistakes, and that's what I've done. I've given myself empowerment and permission. Those are those are the two words. And
1: permission. Carla, I'm so pleased that you agreed to share your story with our listeners. Where can our listeners connect with you online?
0: So, um, well, because I'm um, a sex and relationship coach and there is a lot of censorship around talking about sex, the best place is not on social media, <laughs> but um, on my website. So that's um, um,
1: dot com. I will put all of that in the show notes, so they'll definitely be able to connect with you there. Thank you. Truly, truly wonderful guest on Stories That Connect Us.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Nikki, And best of luck with the rest of um, your podcast and your episodes. Wishing you lots of luck with it all.
1: Take care. Bye, Carla. Thank you. Bye. Hope you enjoyed that conversation and found value in listening to Carla's story. My three key takeaways were, number one. Pausing and delving deep into our emotions is a surefire way of truly knowing ourselves and in turn our needs. If we don't know our needs, wants and desires, how on earth can we expect anyone else to? Number two, when we're upset or have a problem, we don't always need a fixer to swoop in and solve things. Number three, boundaries are hard as hell. But this shouldn't stop us from setting them. Before I sign out, Today's story is based on Carla's real-life experience. If you were impacted by anything shared in today's episode, please do speak to somebody about it or seek out the help you need. Check out the show notes for resources and links to supporting information. Thanks for joining to today's story. Please share it with a friend. And to help us get to even more listeners, I would love for you to rate the show on your podcast platform. See you in two weeks when I'll be back with another guest. thanks for listening to today's episode. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your day to join me for Stories That Connect Us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you listened, learned and felt inspired. Stay safe, stay connected. Until next time.